there. And I want to encourage you here in the sanctuary and those watching online as well to open the Word of God today and turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 4. 1 Timothy chapter 4, as we're taking our Bibles, we're studying the doctrine of godliness. And there's a warning here in the pastoral epistles to us about a doctrine that we don't want to embrace and we have to be aware of. Not just be aware of, but also beware it. And that's important. In a moment, I'm going to ask you a simple question, but I do want to ask you this. Have you ever had the privilege to teach your children how to drive? Amen. There's a lot we have to teach our kids about life. And one of those things, we get the awesome privilege to teach them how to drive. They get to learn all the parts of the car, including the brakes. And amen, there are two pedals, yes. Three really complicates things, but two, amen. But they need to learn how the car operates, how it accelerates, how it brakes, how it handles. Praise God, they learn all the driving laws and the signs, all of them, especially the ones that say 35, 45, 55, 65, please stop. One way, yield, and then there are the other signs, right? Do not enter. Stop. Those are signs they have to learn as well. Stop. Amen. That's what that handle is for right here above the window. And the one right there in front of I have two on my truck. Now, in a similar way, good pastors have the responsibility to teach you about some signs in the culture to be aware of. And to tell you, stop. Do not enter, right? The Christian faith is not just about do, 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 go, go, go. Press the gas, go this way. There's also some things that say, no, stop. Do not enter. We, We have a responsibility to tell you to avoid these things. Paul is doing that with Timothy here in 1 Timothy chapter 4. It's a It's a warning. Paul's going to say, listen, in the last times, this is going to happen. And then he jumps right back to the present tense and says, oh, by the way, it's right now too, Timothy. It's something that's been present ever since the Garden of Eden. In fact, it's the doctrine of demons. Now, you do believe in the devil, right? Now, not, not you believe in him like you believe in Jesus, right? But you believe there is a devil. He's a fallen angel. His name was Lucifer. He was kicked out of heaven, swept about one-third of the angelic host with him who followed him in his rebellion. He's our enemy. He's real. He's the spirit of darkness. Paul would say in Ephesians chapter 2, he's the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience among whom we also once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. But the mercy of God found us. Amen? Amen. We once were there. He's the adversary that the devil walks around, Peter would tell us, as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Just as there's a mystery of godliness we learned two weeks ago, 
There's a mystery which makes godliness possible. There's also a mystery of iniquity. Paul would mention him in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. It's Satan and the work that he is about. See, he's an imitator. He tries to copy God every way he can. Even in the end times when the Antichrist comes, he'll, he'll have a head wound, he'll die and be raised, and everyone will go, wow, follow him. Because Satan wants to be God, he can't do that, so he's going to imitate God in every way that he can. Right now, he seeks to deceive and, and lead people away from the truth. Now, it may come to shock to you today, but Satan even can use Christians to accomplish his work. He's a manipulator, a master manipulator. And if we're not careful, you can easily be part of his plan. Peter, right? Tried to lead Jesus astray. Ananias and Sapphira in the early church deceived. Deception, they liked what Barnabas, all the accolades he got from giving a piece of property and and selling it and giving those proceeds to the church and and they said, well, let's sell this property and tell them we gave all from it. They lied to God. They lied to the Spirit. And Satan filled their heart with that. You see, Paul warns in the book of Acts that false teachers would arise within the church. You see, we're studying the doctrine of godliness. You say, well, are we in the doctrine of demons? Because you've got to be aware of the doctrine that comes from demons, the doctrine that comes from Satan. Why? Because it starts all the way in the Garden of Eden. Listen to this. Do you remember what happened when the serpent came? beguiling he came to Eve now the command had already been given do not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and and in questioning her why can't you eat from that tree right because God said in the day that we touch it we'll die that's not what God said they, they'd already added something to what God said but he came and, and this is the amazing thing remember his promise no 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 take a bite enjoy eat because in the day that you eat of it you will be what like who God, knowing good and evil. God-likeness. You'll, you'll be little gods. You'll know good and evil. Now, that was not a, a doctrine you wanted to embrace, was it? But they did. We're studying the doctrine of godliness. That means being like Him. You become like the object you worship. That's what Scripture teaches. The idols of our heart. That's why we have to make certain that we're not worshiping an idol. Because you'll become just like it. Psalm 115. We, we want to become like our God. Jesus would say this, as your Father in heaven is perfect, be perfect. Or as Leviticus would say, as, as I am holy, be holy. God would say over and over again. Peter says that also in 1 Peter chapter 1. You become like, hey, he's gracious. We should be graceful. We should be filled with grace, right? He's merciful. We should be mercy, merciful, amen? If we've experienced it. He's loving. We should be loving. Anyone born of him loves, First John would say, right? You become like the one you worship. Satan's offer was to be like him, to become one of him. But he's a deceiver, a liar, even from the beginning. And his first deception was to be like God. That's the doctrine. That's the offer. It's not a doctrine about demons. It's the doctrine that comes from the demonic realm. And there's false teachers that'll push this. They'll lead people astray. Lead them from the truth. They try to seduce them, deceive them to depart from what would be saving faith. 
It's a warning, a stop sign. Do not enter. If I could plaster it up here, right? Stop. Be aware. And beware of this doctrine. How do you spot it, Pastor Chris? How do you see it? How do you understand it? Well, praise God, Paul warned Timothy, and he warns you, and he warns me today. So let's stand, let's read this, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 5. Now the Spirit expressly says, when, right now, or had he already said this? I think it's maybe both. The Spirit expressly says, in the latter times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits, and here it is, doctrines of demons, speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good and nothing is to be refused if it is received with thanksgiving for it's sanctified or set apart by the word of God and prayer. Father, now I pray, open our eyes and open our hearts. Open our minds to receive your word, Lord. This seed that needs to be planted in our hearts on good soil, God, help us to be alert and attentive to what's happening around us, God, so that, Lord, we can spot, we can see, we can realize that's a lie. That's from the devil. It's from the pit of hell. And it will destroy. May it be so, Father, because we are so wed to your truth. We know it so well. That we can spot the counterfeit, the lie. God, if anyone today has believed the lie, Lord, I pray today that they would realize truth is reaching to them. The spirit of truth is speaking to their heart. The word of truth is even before them right now. And God, may they, in honesty, genuinely, Lord, because it's what you want on the innermost being. God, may they repent and place their faith and trust in the one who is truth, Jesus, and saves us and gives us life. And I ask this all in His powerful and precious name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. Again, if I could put a sign up, it would warn us today. Paul is warning us, danger, don't fall away from the faith. It's a battle that's going on. It's been raging. Uh, truth and lies ever since the Garden of Eden. It's a, true, it's a letter in the first chapter. Paul wrote to Timothy and he said, listen, I'm telling you, watch out for false teachers and for false teaching. Jesus had warned of it. He had said, listen, in the end times, there will be a falling away. The Holy Spirit has warned and is warning even here about spiritual deception and people falling away from the faith. Paul writes in the future tense, this will happen in the future. But then when he jumps to the present tense in the rest of of this section, it's almost as though it's right now, it's around us. That's why it's not surprising when 1 John chapter 4 says, listen, test the spirits. You know what? Many antichrists have gone out into the world. Well, I thought there's just one antichrist. Oh, no. The spirit of antichrist is in any lie, in any deception. That is from the devil. The doctrine of demons comes from demons. It, it, it is lies. Why? Because it's contrary to the God who is truth. Do you know what God wants? Over in 1 Timothy chapter 2, it says there that you know what God desires? God wants everyone to come to the knowledge of the truth. What truth? That God is God and you're not? (laughs) 
Hey, that you and I have to repent of our sins and place our faith and trust in Jesus. We're a sinner and we're in need of a Savior. That's a wonderful truth that God wants us to embrace so that we can be saved. God wants us to come to the knowledge of the truth. The devil wants to stop us from coming to the knowledge of the truth. Why? Because you see, the doctrine of demons, it departs from the truth. That's where it starts, right? It's a departure from the faith. What faith? What's the faith? Well, you know, we saw this a couple weeks ago in chapter 3. Look at verses 14 through 16, right? We're the pillar. The church is the pillar. We hold up the truth. And what is the truth we hold up? The mystery of godliness, Jesus. He's the truth. The mystery that makes godliness possible is Jesus Christ. That he came, lived a sinless life, died on a cross, Paid the penalty that sin deserves. The wages of sin is death. He died for my sin. And through repentance of sin and placing my faith in his sacrifice, I can be justified. Treated just as if I've never sinned. Wow. That message is proclaimed in the world. It is believed in the world. Jesus was raised up gloriously. Our faith is victorious. That's the truth. That's the faith. Hey, Paul would tell Timothy, this is, well, uh, Jude would say it this way, it's once for all delivered to the saints. It's a sacred trust, Paul would tell Timothy. It's something to guard, to protect, to realize. But in the end times, there will be a departure from the truth. Peter would say something similarly in 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 20 through 22, that this will happen. You'll know them because, I like how he says it, someone has said, they're sick dogs and dirty hogs. Dogs who return to their vomit and hogs who return to the, to the mud. You identify them, you see them, you know them. They depart. Were they Christians? No. Maybe in name, but in name only. In fact, Jesus warned about it in the Sermon on the Mount over in Matthew chapter 7. What did Jesus say in Matthew chapter 7? There will be some who will stand before him and they will say, Didn't we serve you? Didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we even cast out demons? And he'll say to them, Depart from me, I never knew you. You see, we don't know how expressly, like, whether they're genuinely saved or not, that's not what it's his teaching. It's teaching that the spirit that leads people from the faith to depart from the faith, whether they were authentically saved or not, we know this, John would say it this way, anyone who is righteous practices righteousness. Or he would also say in 1 John chapter 2, well, they went out from us because they were never really of us, right? The question is, what causes this apostasy to occur? Because I want to be on guard against that. It's, it's departing from the truth. Think about this. God is truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The Spirit is the Spirit of truth. He he brings us understanding of this truth source right here, God's Word. Those that fall away, they're deceived by a seductive deceiver. Satan is behind this. and, And he has these devilishly designed doctrines to draw men away from the truth. You see, when will it take place? It's it's always been taking place. People walking away from the truth. In the future, it will happen. In the latter days, particularly those who believe they're Christians. Paul will talk about it and we'll see it next week. In 2 Timothy chapter 3 and chapter 4. That in the latter days, there will be those who have the form of godliness but no power. 
They'll go through the motions. They'll put on the show. They, but in the last days, they, 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 they'll fall away. They never really were part of the way. Why? Because they've left truth right here. See, this book is the key. All right? This is our authority. It is over us. You and I don't get to pick and choose which parts we like. It's all or nothing. And God has spoken and you and I have to make a choice. I either accept that proposition. God is God and I'm not. And I need to repent and place my faith and trust in His Son who's the only Savior given to mankind or reject it. It's your choice. God won't force you to, but He invites you to. He's demonstrated how much He loves us sending Jesus to die for us. There's nothing more He can do. And His Spirit is wooing you and saying, come, come. The bride, we're supposed to be doing that too, by the way. The Spirit and the bride say, come. Come while there's time. Departing from the truth, they embrace the lie. You notice this, watch this. They will depart from the faith, giving heed to what? To deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. You leave the truth. The only alternative is to embrace the lie. That's the alternative. That's what they do. And as I showed you, even from the very beginning, he's the father of lies. And the lie is this doctrine of demons, which is, hey, listen, you can be like God. What an amazing promise he offered that he couldn't fulfill. And the sad thing is he wanted to be God, right? That's why he was kicked out of heaven. And so what's, what's critical right now is, is the truth that comes, if you depart from it, this isn't even, <clears throat> as Jesus would say in the parable of the sowers, the little birds that come onto the hard ground and pluck away the seed, right? Before it can find root. This is some who just willfully walk away from the truth. But Satan does it through lies. Now, we don't take this serious enough. We know Satan's a tempter. We often say, you know, the devil made me do it. And oftentimes, it's just our flesh. But he likes all the, all the pub he can get, right? He's not just a tempter. He's also a deceiver. And what he does is he weds these two things together in his temptation. There's a deception. There, there's some element of foolery, tomfoolery going on, right? <clears throat> That's what he did in the Garden of Eden to our first parents. Hey, just doubt, just don't obey what God's word says. In fact, it's fascinating. You find the apostles do this frequently. They're, they're warning against activity, certain behaviors, because belief affects behavior. And so you'll find in the epistles, in Jesus himself speaking, he'll be saying, listen, <clears throat> don't be deceived. Be alert, be aware, be what, uh, in the know of what's going on. Don't be ignorant, brethren. He, he'd say, Paul would tell the Galatians, listen, don't be deceived because you reap what you sow. He'll tell the Corinthians, hey, listen, don't be deceived about the company you keep because bad company corrupts good morals. Students, listen to that one again, right? Bad company will corrupt good morals. He, he would tell the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, do you not know that unrighteousness will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't be deceived. Neither fornicators, idolaters, adulterers, homosexuals, sodomites, thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus by the Spirit of our God. Praise the Lord. He redeems. Amen. But don't miss it. Don't be deceived. 
That behavior is tied to lies. It's tied to false beliefs, deception. And this is sad because what you see in Christendom today is the embracing of some of those activities as, you know what, you can be a Christian with that particular lifestyle. That's a lie. It's a lie from the devil himself. They will not inherit the kingdom of God. In fact, Paul would tell the church in Colossae in chapter 2, listen, beware, lest anyone cheat you through philosophy or empty deceit. According to the traditions of men, according to the philosophy, the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. Be alert, be aware. He's going to bring lies, deception. How do I guard against that, Pastor Chris? You wed yourself to the truth. As I said in the first service, listen, you lash yourself to the truth. This isn't lash like with a whip. No, that's not what he said. When I say lash, I mean like a sailor would do on a ship. He'd, he'd, he'd put all the block, all the tackle, he'd lash it down in the big storm when the ship was swaying back and forth so it wouldn't go overboard. There's a storm out there, church, and it's rocking back and forth, and it's a devilish storm out there, and you've got to lash yourself, tie yourself down to this truth. Understand, listen, go read John in the first, in, in Revelation chapter 13. He talks about the devil. He talks about the dragon. And even in the end times, what will he do? He will come and he will be the deceiver of the whole world. Why? Well, he was cast down to the earth. And, and, and his angels were thrown down with him. He's that serpent, the one who's called the devil, the one who's called Satan. You see, that's what the doctrine of demons does. It it, it departs from truth to embrace the lie. And the father of the lies and his little minions are those who propagate to draw this. They draw people away from the truth that can save them. Just deny God exists. Deny there's a creator. Deny that you have to obey him and glorify him. It's a blinding that takes place. Paul would say it to the Corinthians. Satan blinds. The God of this world blinds people so they can't see the truth. Paul would say over in Romans chapter 1. You know what? They reject the creator to worship the created things. They reject the truth and they embrace. He would say there in Romans chapter 1. They embrace the lie. What lie? Well, Satan's got a whole bunch of them. But they're all a rejection of truth. Paul would warn the Galatians, he would tell them, listen, who has betwitched you to to believe another gospel because there's only one? You see many gospels that are out there, not just the prosperity gospel, but other therapeutic gospels, other gospels about good works and that this will save you. Those things won't save you. That's what Paul was dealing with in Galatians. Your good works will not save you. It's not a list of do's and don'ts. It's already been done. Christ has done everything. If we can add anything to his sacrifice, then our faith is in vain. Don't believe any other gospel. There's only one true gospel. We're sinners in need of a Savior. And Christ is the only way to be saved. He deludes with foolishness. He deludes in the worldly ways of thinking. He departs from God, from his word. And these demon-inspired doctrines, they come into the church, not just the world. 
They come into the church through human agents, human instruments, just as there's preachers of truth. I mean, our feet are to be shod with the peace of the gospel, right? We have a a belt of truth that we carry in our armor, and we go forth bringing this truth to the world. So, listen, there are preachers of lies. Many antichrists that have gone out into this world, those who are against Christ, against the one who is truth. How do you acknowledge them? How do you recognize them? Well, it says it right here. Verse 2, they, they speak their lies in hypocrisy. Now, what's amazing is in the Greek, that word lies and hypocrisy right there together, you've got hypocrisy, which is pretending to be something that you're not. It's intentional deception. But then speaking lies is, is knowing the truth, but twisting it or speaking it in a different way. Th- these human agents are hypocrites. They, 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 they intentionally deceive. They don't believe even what they may be teaching. They preach and teach one thing and then do another. You know what hypocrites, a hypocrites is in the Greek? It's those who wore the masks. It was the, there's the big show that they would put on in the theater. And, and you've seen those masks, those different, one a happy face, one a sad face, one a mean face, right? And the play actor, he would put that face on and, and act and then he'd go off stage and come with another mask on and wear that one. We're really good at that today right? Putting on masks, putting on a show. Jesus warned about it in Matthew chapter 6 in the Sermon on the Mount. Listen, don't, don't be on the stage of religion like the Pharisees are. Listen, in their regular activity, their religious activity, they're giving, um, they're praying, they're fasting. Don't be like them. They put on a show for the people. They want the applause of men. You, you and I, we just want the smile of heaven. What we do, we do in secret. The left hand doesn't know what the right hand is giving, right? And by the way, the right hand needs to be given more. Amen, church? Because we're investing in heaven. We're investing in his kingdom. And what God's called us to do. Don't, don't, don't say the prayers for the whole world to see. Say them in your closet. Your father who sees in secret will reward you. Don't put on a show, paint a face on to fast. Woe is me, I'm suffering for Jesus. No, 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 no refresh your face, wash your face. And then, and that's funny that he would say wash your face because if you haven't been, anybody ever raised a kid and they can lather it up, you know, when they eat and then you have to wash it off. He says, before you go out, wash your face, present yourself in this way. You see, good teachers set good examples. Look down in verse 16. Notice what Paul will even tell Timothy. Hey, Timothy, take heed to both yourself and to the doctrine. Why? Continue in them, for in doing this you will ensure or save both yourself and those who hear you. You have a responsibility by your example. Pay close attention to not just what you teach, uh, what you preach, but also what you do. Integrity, it's truthfulness, it's genuineness, it's what God desires in the innermost being. But these false teachers don't have a good example. They don't even live out the truth of the gospel. They don't live out the truth that they would proclaim. In fact, their conscience is seared with a hot iron. What does that mean? Well, you see, the conscience is the one that sometimes convicts us, right? Man, you shouldn't be doing that. That little whisper, it's not always the Holy Spirit. Sometimes it's your conscience that's been informed by truth. That's not the right thing to do. Don't do it. 
But listen, if you depart from truth and embrace a lie and tell the lie over and over and over again, it's kind of like taking a hot iron and, or, you know, when you put your finger on the edge of the, of the stove because you forgot it was just on and you didn't see the little red light and you go, ah, you know what I'm talking about? You don't intention, please tell me you don't intentionally go back and go, oh, let's do that again. That was fun. That was fun. Ah, woo No. But you know what happens? If you continually do that, you become numb desensitized, right? You can't feel it. That's what happens when you tell a lie over and over and over again, or you embrace a lie over and over and over again. You know what happens? You start to believe that it's true. You see that right now. You hear so many lies being propagated, even with our own convention. Stuff that is not true and consistent with the word of God. And they're going to tell it over and over again until they get to a, to a meeting and they're going to then make a vote. You know why? Because they've departed from truth. Demonic deceptions will burn the conscience of the individual so they're no longer able to discern the truth from a lie. And when you accept the lie, you will deny the truth no matter how bold it is revealed. That's what they do. They live as hypocrites. They've told themselves this lie. Their, their conscience is seared. They, they can do no other. In fact, how do you identify even those hypocrites? Well, specifically here, it's fascinating. They deny two things, which are both a reflection of what is good and the gospel. Notice this in verses 3, 4, and 5. These forbid to marry, and they command to abstain from foods, which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. Those who believe the truth, those who know the truth, know this. Man, we're to be grateful for food and for marriage. I love food, amen? Food is good. Too much food is not good. Let's just clarify that, all right? The Bible warns against that. Uh, but, but food is good. In fact, every creature, verse 4, every creature of God is good. When God made all the creatures, he made them all good. And nothing is to be refused if it's received with thanksgiving. For it's sanctified by the word of God and prayer. Food, diet, what you eat. These false teachers will say, listen, you can't eat this. You can only eat this. They have certain foods that are taboo or that are kosher. By, by the way, go over to Colossae, which wasn't far from Ephesus where Timothy was. And you can read there that there were certain foods that they were saying, don't eat, don't eat this, don't eat this. And Paul says, no, 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 that's not it's not a list of do's and don'ts as far as what the diet is. Jesus has already declared all the foods are clean. Peter saw it in a vision, right? The Spirit of God revealed to him. Arise, Peter, kill and eat. It, it, God made good food, creatures to enjoy. As long as we receive it with a particular way. Gratitude, thanksgiving, and marriage. There were some who thought that the unmarried life was more spiritual, have celibate preachers, right? Have celibate clergy who don't enjoy the institution of marriage. Or convolute God's institution of marriage and marry as many women as you want. Both are wrong. It's not good for man to be alone. God made him a helpmate. One just like him that corresponded to him. The compliments, right? Both the I and the E. Honey, you look good today and, and I'm grateful that I'm your compliment. Those things go together, Amen. It's good. These are good things. And yet, these teachers, these hypocrites, listen, they, they teach this. Oftentimes, that's what you find in cults, even that yellow deli up there. 
right? Be aware, church, that's not authentic Christianity up there. What they do destroying families, they don't let you see that part. Be aware. And beware of it when they, when they teach this way. And here's the amazing thing. See, marriage and food both are related to the Garden of Eden, to the first temptation, to the first man and woman. They're related also to the gospel. I mean, it was in the garden. Remember what God said. Listen, Adam, you can enjoy all these trees, all this fruit. It's for you except for one. You can't have this one, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You can't eat the fruit from it because in the day you do it, you'll die. But you have all this to enjoy. Look at all that goodness the creator had given to him. And this is Eve, your bride. Ish, isha, right? And the two became one. A beautiful picture there in the garden of marriage. And, and why is that related to the gospel? Well, the gospel is that, you know, marriage is a picture of what relationship? Christ and the church. That we've been redeemed. We just sang it, didn't we? The bridegroom. The bride waiting for him to come. We, we live with that expectation, right? He's gone to his father's house to prepare a place for us. One day he's going to return, snatch us away like a thief in the night. You better, better be ready. Looking, expecting, any day it could happen that he could take us home. And, and the gospel is at stake in marriage. And so by forbidding marriage, they're actually removing one of the most beautiful pictures on earth of that relationship, that spiritual relationship between Christ and the church, God's institution of marriage. What about food? It's good. <laughs> yeah. Food reminds me of this. And, and every time we eat it, we need something outside of us to sustain us. In the same way spiritually. We need to eat something outside of us to sustain us. What are we going to eat? Well, you know, when we come to this table, Right? We partake of two elements. It's a reminder that we needed something outside of us to save us. Right? Now, it's not, we don't really eat the body of Christ dentally. Mentally, we reflect on these truths. We remember. It's a remembrance table. And we do this in remembrance. What? That he gave his life. He was the bread of life. It was broken for you and for me. He's, he's, he's living water, Right? That we drink and it bubbles up within us and bubbles out and flows out of our lives. And the food is a constant reminder. Listen, when we eat, that's why when you and I eat, we say thank you, God, for what you gave us. For sustaining us, for strengthening us. And when we receive these things, both marriage, that institution of marriage, and it's a good thing to get married. It's a gift from God. And food, it's a gift from God. God's goodness is reaching to us, providing for us. And we say, thank you, God. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your gifts. Thank you for your grace. And we receive it with thanksgiving, with gratitude. Now, if I can't, I'm telling you, if I can't say thank you, God, for something that I'm eating, enjoying, then I probably shouldn't be eating it or drinking it. If it's set apart, if it's sanctified by the word of God in prayer. In other words, if there's clear teaching, clear instruction that distinguishes it and says this is of God. I mean, that's how we order our lives according to this truth. And just simply praying, God, we need you, we depend upon you. That's healthy. Now, these 
false teachers, they would not want you acknowledging you need God at the end of the day. You need them, right, to guide you and to direct you. But see, for this to really change my life, I need to appreciate sound doctrine. That's the plumb line. It helps me to identify what's truth and what's a lie. And without a plumb line, when there is no plumb line, truth is whatever you want it to be. Whatever in your eyes you want it to be. And you see that increasingly, even in Christendom. It's scary. Beware! Be aware. The devil's at work. Be attentive. Lash yourself to this book. Why is this critical? You come next week, we'll be in 2 Timothy chapter 3, chapter 4. We're going to memorize, read chapter 4 this week and meditate on that scripture, on that verse. Why? Because there's a warning. When you go astray, when you're led astray, what happens is you can have the form of godliness, but no power. And some won't want sound doctrine. Do I desire sound doctrine? I should. Some just want ear ticklers. We'll come next week and find out what in the world does that mean so that I'm not living around going, oh, tickle my ears. Tell me what I want to hear. Tell me what I need to hear. No. We want sound doctrine. Men, listen. Do you appreciate sound doctrine? You lead your homes. You're the spiritual leader of your home. You have that responsibility. God has vested that with you. Not just with the pastoral staff or your family. You have that responsibility, first and foremost, in your home. You are a priest, in a sense, in your home, leading your family in the truth. Why is that important? You need to lash yourself to the truth. Why? Ephesians chapter 5, if you're wed. You have to wash your bride with the, with the word, right? It's the sanctifying agent. How can that happen for your bride if it's not happening in your heart? It begins with us, men. It begins with us in our home. And even then to the children. How can we as a couple, one, being one, drawing the same boundaries based on God's word, how can we lead our children into the knowledge of the truth? Nurturing that in their hearts. Not just telling them, but also fleshing it out. Them seeing faith real in our lives, by our prayers, by our concerns, by bringing things before them and always pointing them to Jesus. You've got to be intentional in this day and age. There's a deceiver. He wants to destroy your heart, your life, your home, your kids, your grandkids. Don't, don't lose that influence you have over your grandchildren. You're an empty nester, but you know what? You can have multiple generations of influence. Embrace it. Seize it. Be aware of what's happening in the end times. Lead your family. Love Jesus. Love his word. Live for him. Know his word. Grow in his word. Get on this altar. Pray for your family. It's a war. It's a war today. And the devil, he's a liar. And all he wants to do is to destroy. And he'll do whatever it takes. And you need to be aware of it. You got to cultivate a heart. God, I want to hear good doctrine, sound doctrine. I want to be grounded in your word. It's a choice. God can't make that for you, but you can make it. And you can do the right thing. You say, man, that devil, he's powerful. He's, 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 a, he's, a, he's a schemer. He's a deceiver. He's manipulator. Yeah, he is. But you know what the word of God says? Greater he is he who's in me than that one, he who is in the world. God's not left us alone in the dark. He's given us the spirit of light. 
And when you're in his palm, no one can pluck you out of the hand of the Father. Amen? Sealed by the Spirit of God, safe and secure in his hands. 